Yeah. I got the shooter's touch, can't nobody shoot like me Fourth quarter down three, need a two and one Better call on me, better call on me If you know you need a shooter I'm ice cold like a cooler Get you right though, I can tutor This that mic flow, I'm a hooper I got blue faces on blue faces I'm Welcome back to the Shooter's Touch. We welcome this week small forward for the Indiana Pacers, Mr. Doug McDermott. Now, Doug and I go back quite a ways. I played at the University of Northern Iowa under his dad, Greg, while he was the coach there for several years. But we go back even farther to talk to Doug about his time growing up in North Dakota in a primarily hockey state and a hockey town where all he wanted to do was play basketball. We move on to his time in Cedar Falls, then moving to Ames when his dad got the job at Iowa State, and then eventually moving to Omaha where his where he played under his dad at Creighton. Doug had a very impressive career at Creighton. He ended up with 3,150 points in his four-year career, ended up number five all-time in the NCAA scoring list, and is one of three players in the NCAA history to record 3,000 points and 1,000 rebounds. After Creighton, he was drafted on draft night by the Denver Nuggets, but immediately traded to Chicago, where he played several years under Tom Thibodeau and then Fred Hoiberg. He has a great story about growing up, knowing what he wanted to do, and then going after it. He didn't start playing varsity in high school until he was a junior But we all know what happened there with Ames playing with Harrison Barnes and the incredible run that Ames High School went on. It's great to catch up with Doug. He's a great human being, a great basketball player. We hope you enjoy it. Here is Doug McDermott. Well, welcome back to the Shooter's Touch. We again have another great guest for the show today. Small forward for the Indiana Pacers. Mr. Doug McDermott. Welcome to the podcast, Doug. Happy to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, it's been a while. It's, I'm looking forward to catching up. Yeah, yeah, we are too. And as you mentioned, it has been a while. Um, so we go back quite a ways here. Um, you know, I played for your dad when he was head coach at UNI, but let's go back even farther to, you know, you growing up, um, North Dakota. How was the neighborhood you know what kind of sports were you interested in has it always been just basketball give us a little background on that yeah so my dad obviously um has been a coach my whole life so i was born in grand forks north dakota and you know lived there briefly um the kids in the neighborhood were more hockey players so um i was kind of the the outlier you know i was i was a guy that was always shooting hoops in the driveway and they were playing street hockey so um, that's kind of how it started. And then we uh, moved to Wayne, Nebraska, um, when he was a head coach at Wayne State um, for five years. And that's kind of where I really uh, fell in love with the game. Um, he uh, had a really successful run there and he brought in a lot of really good guys that were kind of like older brothers, you know, father figures to me. Um, I was a ball boy for, for the Wildcats, uh, went to every single practice, every game. And uh, that's kind of where it all started for me. And then he was uh, lucky enough to get his first head coaching job, Division One, um, at North Dakota State for one year. And it's kind of just going back to the, the same thing. Neighborhood was hockey players, and no one really liked basketball there. It was bison football or, like, hockey. So um, we were there for just one year, thankfully. I didn't really like it there. And then uh, we uh, moved moved to Cedar Falls where uh, he had his really good run at UNI with you and 
all those guys, Benny Jake and Eric Coleman and Stout and all those guys. And, um, you know, I was always coming to practices, always involved. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's just that's where my probably my best memories are playing as a kid are in Cedar Falls, just uh, playing for the CF Tigers and, um, you know, John uh, going to Snow Valley camps in Iowa uh, oh, yeah. with Show Walter and all those guys. And, um, you know, those are those are great memories I look back on and they, they feel like yesterday. Um, but then going to Ames High when he got the Iowa State job, getting to be able to link up with Harrison Barnes, um, just – just amazing, amazing four years. Um, just crazy how that all works out. And we had a chance to play with each other in the league. So that's kind of my childhood, and uh, I wouldn't have changed it for anything. Um, moving around is tough, but uh, I definitely learned a lot during the, that experience. With, uh, with Dad as a high school coach, you know, that helps you improve your game so much, being in the gym all the time, if nothing else, you know, and listening right. to you practice you know what you what you need to be doing learning the game and stuff like that but um yeah let's let's maybe jump back to Ames here so you get there for high school now did you had you ever played or did you know of Harrison Barnes before that um or before you got to Ames yeah so I remember being on the Cedar Falls Tigers and we'd always go up to Ames to play in a tournament um at Iowa State's rec center that big old rec center they have and I remember playing the Ames Wildcats um and I remember, like, always remembered Harrison for some reason, you know, he was, like, so tall and, like, he was a little uncoordinated and a little awkward at, like, that age, like, seventh grade, and he wasn't even starting on his team, and I'm like, this kid, I can just tell he's going to be good. I, I can just always tell he's going to be good. He always wore the low-top Jordans. He just had, he had something about him that I, I just always remembered. He didn't really say many words when we were younger, and then I moved to Ames, and I just remember uh, we were in our first high school class together as freshmen and uh, we were in Spanish together. And I just remember him getting his first offer, uh, Indiana state. And he was so excited. Like, Oh, I think I'm going to go there. This is going to be a great spot for me. I'm like, you have no idea, brother. You, you have no idea what's coming. And then my dad offered him at Iowa state. Then the next thing you know, Duke and Carolina and Kansas, they're all in the mix. And um, it's just crazy looking back because he wasn't even starting as a seventh grader. Um, he wasn't, he was very under, underdeveloped and that just shows you how, what hard work can do. Um, both of us, I mean, we just, we worked our tail off and got where we wanted. Hey, you had one other teammate that I wanted to talk to you about, uh, uh, T3, Tyler Hansen, right? He was your point guard on that team. <laughs> yeah. um, I worked several camps with, uh, T3 at Iowa state and, uh, yeah. that dude, that dude, good dude. He's a character though. I tell you, I love, I love C3, man. You know, I wasn't even fortunate enough to play with him because I didn't play varsity till my junior year. Um, so T3 was like three years older than me and, uh, I was actually, probably best friends with his younger brother, Tanner, um, who was my class. And um, he was kind of my chaperone everywhere. He drove everywhere. He got his permit early and always had the nicest car. And um, I, I love the Hanson family. They, uh, they meant so much to me in my time in Ames. That's great. Yeah, you guys, um, like you said, obviously had a run. Um, I was doing a little looking, and it looks like you guys, in four years at Ames, you went – 95 95 and two um obviously including your junior and senior year not losing a game I mean that that team and the run that you guys went on was was definitely something special yeah I always give coach Downs crap all the time because we went 52 and 0 when I was on the team and if he would have had me on varsity you know freshman saw maybe he wouldn't have lost so 
Um, but yeah, I, I don't blame it at all. I was a very late development guy. Um, I grew like four or five inches in between my freshman and sophomore year. And then I kind of just all started to put it together then. And, um, you know, I can't thank coach Downs enough for how he pushed me. Um, you know, he really kept me humble throughout the process and just always pushed me to be better. So, uh, I, I can't thank him enough. He still means a lot to me and, um, I'm always pulling for the Cyclones. I know he's still there and, um, it's, it's fun to follow. <clears throat> yeah. They looking at, uh, so it would have been that 08 season. It looked like, so you guys went 16 and two. Um, I'm not sure what happened in the postseason, but, uh, uh, you guys had a point differential of 23. I mean, you were still hammering people. Uh, went 16 and two, and for our listeners, that was the year that Matt Gaytons and that City High team ended up winning uh, the state championship. But uh, yeah, after yeah. that year, then you guys just went on a run. And uh, I mean, there was really—I mean, your point differential. I mean, nobody was really even close. And you have to remind me: Did you guys go out of state, or did you play anybody nationally with that team, or did you all yeah. just play all <laughs> Iowa teams? Yeah, so uh, my senior year, Iowa had like kind of a weird rule at the time where we weren't allowed to play someone within a certain amount of miles. So we ended up playing Waukegan, Chicago, Illinois team. Um, Jeremy Richmond was committed to Illinois, and he was like a top 30 player. So uh, they, they agreed to come to us. So we played at Hilton. We played at Hilton Coliseum where Iowa State plays, and we actually played on ESPN. It was like a Tuesday night, and uh, here we are, a high school team getting to play on ESPN. So it was uh, it was an amazing experience. We got a lot of exposure. Um, I was probably the most nervous I've ever been before a game, you know, just on the way to that arena on the bus and um, ended up playing really well. And I feel like that was a huge stage uh, in my in my um, maturation just as a player and um, just mentally. So I, I uh, that was an unbelievable experience being able to do that at such a young age. Well, and then you talk about big stage. When you guys were down at the state tournament, I've been to countless numbers of games, both at the barn and obviously Wells Fargo. But your guys' state championship, your senior year, that was the first time I've ever been in that building where the very top, the 300 section, the curtains were up. And that whole thing, I mean, that thing was just full. Obviously, by that point, Harrison and uh, your guys' uh, college recruitments had just been at an all-time high. But uh, what was that experience like? And, you know, obviously, we've had guests on before. And for whatever reason, we've all played a ton of basketball games. But those high school days, we seem to remember the most just because of the guys you're with and the, the age in which we are. But what do you remember about that that final run at the state tournament? Yeah, I mean, it was uh... – unbelievable time in my life and um you know just at such a young age being able to have the exposure that we had with Harrison on our team as a number one player I mean every gym we went into in Des Moines or on the road it was it was packed it was like uh we were like the the show in town and um it just sold out we were getting things chanted at us we had somehow some of our cell phone numbers got leaked and people were calling us like before and after the game to try and mess with us and uh, I'll never forget those days, man. It was it was so fun, um, that, that whole run. I thought Des Moines Hoover was potentially going to get us on our senior night at, at Ames because uh, I think I think they are beating us with, like, four minutes left. We were down, like, six, and we ended up winning by, like, 12. I don't know how. We just went on a huge run. Um, but those were just special days, going to Wells Fargo, um, selling out that arena, having Roy Williams there. Um, just it, it was amazing, man. I I uh, I look back on those days and it flies by. It's already been whatever 10, 12, 10, 11 years. It's it's crazy to think about, but we we had so much fun and we still talk about it to this day. You know, me and Harrison got a chance to briefly play with each other in the NBA, and we just 
we always relive those memories. Um, and it's, it's something no one can ever take away from us. So it was very special. Yeah. Fun, <laughs> fun time. Like you said, something you guys will always, always remember. And so, mm-hmm. um, and you mentioned it with this. So your, your development as a player kind of started a little bit, maybe later in the process, obviously later than Harrison and some teammates, but uh, what was the commitment like uh, for you as far as going and playing at the next level and in the recruitment process, you originally committed to UNI, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I signed with Northern Iowa. Um, <clears throat> I was, sorry, I was a very under the, <clears throat> under the radar recruit. I was like a two or three star. Didn't really get a lot of love. Um, and I feel like that really helped me. It put a chip on my shoulder. Um, I wasn't really getting the looks I wanted um, to get. You know, I, I thought I could be a high major player, but at the end of the day, I was more, more comfortable playing at a mid-major. And uh, Coach Jake gave me that opportunity. Um, I visited Central Florida, Northern Iowa, and I think my other visit was I went to Loyola, Chicago. So those were kind of my final three. And uh, I just felt really comfortable with Jake. Um, he was pretty much like a second father to me growing up, um, you know, so being able to, to I was excited to go there and then everything kind of changed at the last second. Um, and it was probably the toughest phone call I ever had to make was to coach Jake to let him know that um, I was going to go to Creighton and join my dad. But, um, you know, it took a little time, you know, it was a little awkward for a little bit um, with, with Jake and PJ and all those guys, but we finally recovered. Um, they got AJ Green now, so they're, uh, they're, they're going to be just fine. I was I was just gonna say you know you broke a lot of hearts in Panther Country but um yeah. you know obvious why the decision was made made um walk us through that a little bit so uh, all set to go to you and I um, after the season you know dad dad gets gets the Creighton job obviously was it you know he got the job and you said I'm going to play for you um, was there conversations that were had or how did that how that happen Yeah so I just remember that night um, you know it was it was a rough four years at Iowa State, some things he couldn't control with their whole APR situation and just playing in the toughest league at the time with KD and Blake Griffin and all those KU teams. So there were some dark days, you know, for him as a, as a coach. And, you know, I just remember having a conversation with him kind of late in my senior year when I was already committed to UNI. Like he was kind of, if he were able to get a mid-major job, there's a chance I'd be able to follow him. And, we didn't think anything was coming. We thought maybe he'd be at Iowa State a few more years. And I just remember the night him uh, telling me he was offered the Creighton job. And uh, I, he asked me, like, would you be comfortable playing me two or three times a year? And I was just like, he wasn't forcing me to come to Creighton. But I'm like, hey, man, if you're going to be in my conference, I want to play for you. So um, he said, I know, I just know you have such a good relationship with Jake. And I, I know, I know you loved you and I. And I was like, look, man, I want to play for you. I want to, I want to help get your, your career, your job back on track and help out your career. And now look at him, you know, he's, he's in the big East winning coach of the year. So it, it was the best four years of my life. Um, the hardest phone call I ever make was to coach Jake, but him being family, he, he understood. And, um, you know, I'll always pull for the Panthers, you know, always cheering for them. And, uh, you know, that's a hell of a program they have. And, um, so you and I, Panther country, they can blame my dad. They don't have to blame me. They can blame him for taking that job. That's good to know. I will start. Yeah. <laughs> so how difficult was it though, then going, uh, going to Cedar Falls once a year and, and playing over there? Cause what you're, 
your last year did they go to the Big East? How, did you get all? Yeah. yeah, that's what I thought. So, how, so yeah, we that? joined the Big East my senior year. Um, and uh, I went 0-3 in Cedar Falls. I could never win there. Um, you know, they uh, they always beat our – kicked our asses at, at the McLeod Center. And uh, I think Anthony James hit a buzzer beater one of the times. I just – we couldn't get over the hump. We could beat them at home, but we couldn't we couldn't win there. And part of it's because the stuff they're chanting at me and my dad, I would assume. But uh, you know, it was uh, it was a tough three years in Cedar Falls for us when we when we came there. And you know, uh, but other than that, going to the Big East, it was it was so much fun competing at the highest level and playing against Nova and all these premier programs. Um, but definitely never gonna forget my Missouri Valley days. It's such a fun league, and going to St. Louis and competing there is just there's nothing like it. Adam will tell you. Just the fan support in St. Louis is unbelievable. Yeah, you've uh, you've been through in your personal game quite a bit of transformation. Uh, you know, I remember watching you early uh, in the Creighton days. You come here to Des Moines and uh, play in the Nap Center, and would post the entire team up and catch the ball mm-hmm. in the short block every time and score every time it felt like. Um, yeah. And then, um, <laughs> And, uh, you know, you continue to grow that back-to-the-basket game. And then as you move to the Big East and you kind of start to stretch out a little bit and start to work on your perimeter game a little bit more, um, walk me through a little bit of that. Obviously changed, you know, from high school, you played mostly down on the block and then early in your career until what point was it where you're like, hey, the next level, I'm going to need to be able to shoot from from further out. And how did you start to create that? Yeah, you make a good point. You know, playing high school in Iowa and against the Missouri Valley guys, um, no disrespect to those guys. It's just not as athletic of a league. Um, so I could get away with posting up guys. A lot of guys were undersized, six, 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 seven guys. And I could kind of get away with just relying on my craftiness around the rim and just being able to finish on off-balance shots. And when we joined the Big East and when I started to get on the NBA radar, I knew I'd have to kind of change my game a little bit because – when you get to the Big East and NBA, like these guys are all 6'10", athletic, long, and you can't score over them all the time. So I knew I had to really stretch my game out. And now that I'm especially in the NBA, you know, being 6'7 is like the average height. So you have to kind of – I had to transform my game completely. I'm, I'm pretty much a shooter and a cutter now. And uh, I've learned throughout the years that that's my strength, that's my niche. And if I want to keep playing this game, you know, as a job, I, I have to continue to get better at that. And um, it's been a fun seven, six years and going on my seventh, but still a lot of room for growth. And I still think I can get a lot better. And I still, uh, you know, have a, have a lot to prove. So I'm excited with where I'm at in my career. Yeah. And I mean, you bring up a lot of points. I mean, depending on the leagues and the systems um, and the styles in which that you're a part of, but the, the game of basketball as a whole has changed a ton too. Um, mm-hmm. Not only from, like you said, from your high school college days, but even in your six leagues going on seven in the league, uh, the way and the style in which the things have changed a lot. And um, so you've had to adapt as well. And, and how do you, how do you see the game continuing to move forward? And are, are there more changes on the horizon? Yeah, I just think um, you hear it all the time. Basketball is kind of a copy copycat league. Like the NBA is kind of a copycat league. And um, I think the Warriors definitely changed the game there for a while. And teams started going small. And, you know, there's never been a better time to be a three-point specialist. Like, my, I mean, it's a, it's a good time to, to be a shooter because back in the day, you know, you throw it more in the post and it's slower. And I think this NBA suits my game a lot. I think you – 
saw it in the finals with the Heat with, you know, Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson, guys that um, just can really shoot the ball at a high level. And, you know, they're playing in the finals. So that gives me a lot of motivation um, to just keep improving and keep working. And someday that opportunity is going to be there. And, uh, you know, I think uh, the Lakers kind of did it more of a traditional way. You know, they had two superstars. They don't rely. They don't live and die on the three. And they're, they'll play big if they need to. They'll play Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee with uh, Anthony Davis. And um, But I, I just think – with the, with the way we're at, it's going to be a lot more pacing, you know, space and pace and shooting threes and getting up and down is it's the way I prefer it anyway. <laughs> that sounds great. That sounds great. Yeah. Well, let's go back a little bit. Um, talk, uh, walk us through draft night. Um, you're in New York City. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, what are the days leading up to that? Uh, how, how is draft night for you? Nerve wracking? Um, you know, just not sure where you're going. Walk us through that a little bit. Yeah, you know, I was, uh, I dry, I think I worked out for like six teams is all total. Um, you know, my agent kind of held me back, um, you know, and we had a lot of those pro days. Um, and when I got to New York City, I, I had no idea where I was going. I was like, I, I think I'm a first round pick. I, I think I could sneak in the top 15, but going into the, going onto the bus to the draft to the Barclays Center, I had, I had zero, zero idea where I was going. My agent had, kind of ideas of where we could fall but we didn't know that for sure so I just sat in the green room and I just enjoyed it. I soaked it all in um, there's a few teams that I didn't want to go to there's a few teams that I really wanted to go to and uh, I actually landed on the team one of the teams I wanted to go to and I uh, just I just remember just being so nervous because I think there's a couple of teams that kind of told us they would take me like I think Charlotte at nine was a good opportunity good uh, um, spot for me they were they were high on me and Somehow Noah Vonley fell to them, so they wanted to take him. And um, then when Chicago was on the clock, uh, or Denver was on the clock, Chicago wanted to trade up and get a shooter. Um, so, they, so they did that. And I had, I had not worked out for Chicago at all. I, I just – they were at my pro day. Um, Tibbs really liked me, and, you know, it just happened. And then I'm sitting at the draft for like three hours because the trade has to go through. And I'm like, well, shit, where am I going? Am I going to Chicago? Or, like, is this trade not going to go through? Um, but, yeah, it was it was so fun, man. Just having my parents there, my grandpa from Cascade, you know, and just uh, unbelievable night. Um, there's nothing like walking on that stage. I was so nervous I was going to trip on national TV. <laughs> but I made it up there and uh, shook the commissioner's hand, and uh, it's just it's a special moment. That's great. And so, so you – Essentially, you knew you were going to Chicago when you got drafted by the Nuggets. Yep, yep. My gotcha. agent was on the phone with the Bulls. Um, and, the, I mean, I think there was a few teams after the Bulls that were interested in me as well. But the Bulls made the final call, and um, I was so excited. Just Chicago being from the Midwest, you know, growing up watching them. Um, you know, it, it was it was a special time, man. I, I love Chicago. I love my time. Things could have probably gone different. I could have been better there. But, hey, man, it, things happen. and. Um, it's made me a much better player, uh, being able to play for Tibbs and then playing for Fred and playing just for the one of the greatest organizations in the world, man. I'll, I'll never forget my time there. Right, and that's one thing too. When I I remember watching watching the draft that night, and you know when you were announced you're going to Chicago, that was one of the things that I was most excited about. You know, hey, he's staying in the Midwest. Obviously, the storied franchise there with mm-hmm. with the history there, and you know yep. playing playing for a great coach. Um, yeah. You just really can't beat that. So, um, so, so one, one year with Tibbs and then Fred yeah. came in. What was, what was that transition like? 
Yeah, it was great. I mean, going into playing for Tibbs, I knew he doesn't play rookies much. Um, he didn't play Jimmy Butler as a rookie. And I just remember it was the toughest year of my life, honestly, um, just because I went from, you know, being the national player of the year in college to just sitting on the bench in Chicago. And I, I, uh, it was a tough year, but looking back, it, it's made me so much stronger mentally and uh, had so many good veterans to lean on. Um, you know, Joakim Noah, um, Jimmy Butler, um, Taj Gibson, Kirk Heinrich, Mike Dunleavy. Those are still guys that I, I stay in touch with, and they helped me grow so much as a person and as a player. And then when Fred got the job, I was so excited just because I knew he loves to run up and down the floor and shoot threes and you know, he just brought me out of my shell a little bit. And I had a really good year under Fred. Um, you know, we, we didn't do what we wanted to as a team, but there's a lot of variables, variables for that. And um, Fred is a hell of a coach. Um, I owe him a lot for giving me the freedom my second year in the NBA. And I don't think I'd be where I'm at today if it weren't for Fred. So um, I, I thank him all the time and I, I wish him the best at Nebraska. Yeah, we uh, we're big fans of Fred too, and his system and style as well. So we're we're right yeah. there with you. But uh, yeah, so playing with Tibbs, I mean that that first year, like you said, obviously I remember being excited for you being in Chicago, being in the Midwest, and then like you said, you yeah. didn't play a ton that first year. You guys won fifty games, and Tibbs still got shown the door. Which, oh, I mean, that's got to be a little bit of a strange situation, or was it something that you guys kind of saw the writing on the wall? Yeah, you know, I think uh, Tibbs had such an unbelievable run in Chicago and things in the NBA just happen. You know, all all good things must come to an end at some point. And I just think it was towards the end of his contract and, you know, just the way the roster was and the way they wanted to, uh, you know, change, shift um, the direction of, of the uh, the organization. And I, I mean, I can't thank Tibbs enough. You know, uh, there were days where I'd go home and I'd be like, I hate this guy. He, he doesn't talk to me, you know, all this stuff. <laughs> But, like, looking back, I just uh, – I can't thank him enough, man. He made me such a much better professional. Um, I was on time everywhere, um, you know, because he puts this fear in your mind, um, and it, it makes you better. It makes you better. You're always working on your game. You're always studying um, because you want to get on the floor so bad. And Tibbs just does a – he just makes you a better pro. And, uh, you know, I can't thank him enough. And he's going to be great in New York. Um, but, yeah, I mean, when, when Fred got the job – I knew I was prepared after being under Tibbs. He, he, uh, every single day I felt like I got better. And I think that that helped me. And once again, I don't think I'd be where I'm at today if, if that didn't happen either. That's great. Um, so one of the things when initially we were getting you on, I said to Adam right away, I'm like, all right. So one thing I remember, this is early on when you got drafted, it had to have been shortly there after was this one in a hundred M&Ms commercial that you did. Yeah. What, so walk me through that. One, I have a couple questions. One, it looked like that thing took all day. And then yeah. two, I want to know, like, some of these shots that you were throwing in and some of the shots that the contestants – I mean, how, how much of that was legit? Okay, well, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of the shots – a lot of the shots probably took five or six takes for me, or like maybe ten. Um, like, the one off the balcony um, took a while. But the, the, the crazy thing is, the one that – I made the first time was when I had my eyes closed, like shooting back, like blindfolded. I made that the first time. And there was one where I threw behind my head that went in the first time. So I looked so surprised because that was legit the first, uh, first time I made it. But some of these contestants, man, I'd be sitting there for 30 minutes waiting for them to make the shot. So we were there for probably five or six hours at this place in Chicago. And I just remember, uh, 
my agent came to me with the idea. I'm like, sure, let's do it. They said, we'll give you like free M&Ms for the next like five years. I'm like, okay, well, I know my dad will like those. So I'll just give them, I'll give them, I'll give them their address. So uh, we, we had the, uh, we had the M&M plug for, for a while there. Um, but it, it was a, it was fun. Um, you know, but like I said, like you said, it, it took forever. It was probably five or six hours. I was going to say, because I had to go back. I went back and watched it um, before we had you on. And like yeah. you said, you know, it looked like it was at like a local YMCA or something. And the sun was shining when it started. And by the end, the, it was dark yeah. outside. And so yeah. I was like, man, that had to take a minute. And then it did. I was, really I will say I was impressed with the blindfolded one because you kind of tried to size it up and right. yeah, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. That was, that was take, that was take one. So that was take one. <laughs> well, good, man. Just one of the perks, man, playing in the NBA, but exactly. Um, hey, so taking a look down um, where you've played, obviously you've played in some, uh, some elite arenas, um, obviously mm -hmm. with the Bulls in the United Center and then your, your one year with the Knicks out and playing in the garden. Um, but I'm gonna put you on the spot here a little bit. I want you to power rank, however, however you want to rank the top five stadiums or arenas in the NBA. Um, I would have to say MSG is for sure one um, for me. Um, I would say my second favorite is probably Toronto. Um, I love I love their arena. Um, their fans are incredible. Um, it's one of the coolest vibes um, you can play in. Um, Three would probably have to be, oh, I love OKC. Their fans are so passionate. Uh, they, they sell out every single game. It doesn't matter um, if you're under 500 or the number one seed. They're going to show out every single game. So I, I love that atmosphere. Um, I have to put Indiana in there because um, I play for them. I, I, love, I love our fans. They're so knowledgeable. Um, they literally – I mean, it's a Hoosier state. They love their basketball. Um, their motto is we grow basketball here, and they really do. I mean, they're, uh, they're, they're as passionate as they come. I've never seen any like it. And my fifth would probably have to be um, – oh, man. I loved Oracle where the Warriors – the old Warriors arena was incredible when they were on their run. It was – it's one of those games where you, uh, you're on the way over there and you're just nervous. You have the goosebumps. You're, you know you're going you're gonna to eventually have to guard Steph, Clay, or KD, and you can't really do anything about it. They're so good, and uh, that, 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 that crowd got so nuts, and it got so loud, and you could be down 20 points in two minutes. It's, it's crazy. So those, those, are my, those are my arenas, I would say. Man, no Staples Center. I was waiting for that one. I like Staples. I like Staples, but it's more of a it's more of a show. It's more of a show. You know, it's uh, it's dark. It's uh, it's a great shooters gym. I, I love shooting there. But if I'm talking atmosphere, I'd have to go with New York or Toronto. It just there's something different about it. How how different is Staples when you're playing the Clippers versus playing the Lakers? It's definitely different because the the Clippers leave the lights on a little more. In the Lakers, it's more of uh, that dark feeling where the court is just bright. So uh, I prefer playing the Lakers just because there's usually a little more celebs there. You know, you got the they come out a little bit more for the Lakers games, and uh, you got you know Jack Nicholson and uh, those guys, and uh, that's what I love so much about the Garden is there's always actors, there's always those SNL cast people, and Ben Stiller's at all of them. So it, that was so much fun to play there. Yeah, that would uh, that would get definitely get the juices going a little bit. 
Yeah. Um, did you have – was there a moment um, like the your welcome to the NBA moment where something happened, whether it's seeing somebody or playing against somebody or guarding somebody where you're like, damn, like I'm, I'm here, I'm in the NBA, this is it? Yeah, I mean, my first moment really was we were playing the T-Wolves in an exhibition game up in uh, Winnipeg, Canada. I was on the Bulls, and um, I was shooting a technical free throw and KG was like a veteran on the team. He came back to be like a vet for Andrew Wiggins and them. So he was at the end of the bench. He didn't really play much. He was just there for a locker room presence. And he was talking all kinds of shit from the bench to me. And I was like, I didn't even say anything to him. He was just trying to get in my head, I think. And um, I just like remember, like, I grew up idolizing that guy. And here I am in the NBA. Here I'm at the free throw line, and he's just chirping at me. So – that was probably the first uh, welcome to the league moment, but uh, also our first regular season game. I actually played really well at the Garden. Um, ben Stiller and Taylor Swift and um, all of them were there and being able to, like, guard Carmelo, like, switch on to him. Like, that was, that was a welcome to the league moment as well. Yeah, I bet that would definitely uh, – that would be something that you weren't probably ready if KD's talking shit to you. So, that, that would yeah. be good. Yeah. Um, Hey, I just, so I just saw recently, uh, was either yesterday or today, there's, I saw something where they were kind of celebrating um, you and Kyle Korver matching up together. Um, what, what's that relationship been with? Obviously, our big thing here, we, we do the Iowa connection, um, but then you guys have the Creighton connection as well and, and now putting together nice NBA careers. And so um, what's Kyle been like? Has he been a mentor at all to you? And, and how has your relationship grown with him? Kyle, yeah, Kyle's been unbelievable to me. Um, you know, going back to my Creighton days, he really helped. He really helped uh, me with my decision on whether to come back to school or leave early after my junior year. And you know, I just remember him always telling me like, you can't put a price tag on your senior year at college. You know, you can play in the NBA for a long time, and you know, that one year in college, you're just never going to be able to get back. So, I've always looked up to Kyle. Um, he's been a huge mentor for me. Um, whenever we're in the same city, we try and meet up and he's just a fun guy to watch. I love watching his film, his footwork as a shooter. There's no one you can learn more from, you know, and he's, he's an unbelievable shooter, uh, even better person. Um, and I, I got a chance to hang out with him a lot during the bubble, um, experience. And, uh, he, he's a guy that I'll, I'll always look up to and he'll always be there for me whenever I need him. So him and Anthony Tolliver, another Creighton guy, I just, I really lean on. So they've, they've been great to me. Yeah, it's um, every time I see Anthony Tolliver playing the NBA, I always say to myself, man, he is still playing like that. He seems like he should be retired a long time ago, but he still he still does it, still puts in the work and still yeah. still uh, still plays pretty good, too. I know. And, you know, the thing about Anthony is he wasn't even really a shooter in college. Like he was right. OK, but now he's like transformed his body and, you know, he can guard. Um, big guys he can guard wings and he's he's like a 40 percent shooter from three so if you can do that you can play in this league for 15 years and uh right. credit to him you know he's he's been on a lot of teams just like myself but that paycheck's still coming for him so uh you got to give him credit he's had a he's had a heck of a career 100 percent, yeah fun to watch um mm -hmm. play, obviously this year's been a little different um well maybe a lot of different but uh let's talk a little bit about the bubble um mm -hmm. you know what obviously everything shut down just a couple months before the bubble came into existence um you know what was it like there hanging out with your with hanging out with your teammates and probably other um hanging out with other guys on other teams as well um yeah 
I, what was that like? It was awesome, man. It was, uh, it was, uh, it was just, it felt like a giant AU tournament, you know, uh, the NBA version of an AU tournament. And the thing I really liked about it was, you know, I've played on uh, the Thunder and the Mavs and they were both in our hotel. So I got a chance to just hang out with a lot of former staff and former teammates, you know, uh, and, and just, just really gel with them. And I met a lot of guys I probably would have never hung out with. You know, I, I played golf um, with J.R. Smith and Garrett Temple and um, just random guys that I never probably would ever got the chance to hang out with. So it was, it was cool, man. We played a ton of golf um, in the mornings. It was all hoops during the day. And then at night we'd go to a restaurant and we'd, just, we'd sit around and have a good meal and drink a lot of wine and maybe a little too much wine at times. Um, but it helped us, it helped us get through it. Um, it's tough circumstances for everyone right now. Uh, but the fact that we were able to finish the season is a huge credit to the NBA. Um, it didn't go the way we wanted it to go. We didn't play our best, but we're, uh, using that as motivation going into next year. What is, uh, what's JR's handicap? He's like a two or three, like he is a legit golfer. Um, and I, I was, I was blown away. I think the first hole he drained like a 30 footer for birdie. And I was like, damn, this guy, I was like, nice, nice putt, man. And he like kind of acted like it was normal. So I'm like, okay, he's, he's legit. So we had a, we had a fun time though. He, he hits the ball a mile and he's got a great swing and um, him and Garrett Temple, he plays for the Nets. Um, they're both really good golfers. So I'm hoping I can uh, get the invite back when they play in those celebrity tournaments, you know? Right. Yeah, that I was gonna ask. I'm like, I knew Jr. had a pretty good swing, and he played a lot. But um, have have who who else in the league have you played with that uh, is pretty good at golf? Obviously, Steph is. We've heard about him and playing out in Tahoe and doing all that. But have you played with anybody else that kind of snuck um, up on you as, as a golfer? Kyle, yeah, Kyle's really good. Kyle Corver's really good. He's probably a five or six. Um, I'm right around there too. But Kyle. Uh, Kyle was playing in a celebrity – me and him were playing in a charity event in Omaha a few summers ago, and we were, we were both just stuck on the same hole, like kind of greeting people at a par three. And he holed out. He had a hole-in-one from, you know, 160 yards. Um, I still give him a ton of shit because he had a chance to hit the shot like 30 times before that. So I don't know if you can count it, Does but count? He's, count, he's counting it. He's counting it. But uh, it, it was funny, man. He, he sprinted almost tripped into the water but uh it was it was hilarious but there's a lot of good golfers man uh paul Millsap's really good kent baysmore um i'm trying to think of the other guys that were huge on it down there like jason kidd is really good and rick carlisle is really good and um they both the curry brothers are insane i think they're probably the best ones so i'm still waiting to maybe play with them someday do you do you get a chance to get out to a bunch of courses when you're on the road, or or what does it look like? Obviously, the bubble's a little bit different; gives you guys more more downtime. You don't have the travel as much, but uh, are you able to play when you guys are out on the road? Yeah, um, usually whenever we come out to Phoenix or um, Phoenix or Orlando are kind of our main ones, just because when you go to LA, it's just kind of a lot of traffic to get to courses. You don't want to deal with that. You'd rather go to the beach or something. Um, so whenever we come to Phoenix, I try to bring my clubs and um, there's so many guys that love to golf and uh, it's, it's just, it's a fun time. It's good. It's a good uh, escape for us, you know, just to get out and uh, be able to still work on our hand eye coordination a little, but just in a different way. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, um, well, uh, I guess news maybe just released here 
um, here this morning over the last couple of days here that a new new head coach coming to Indiana. Um, yeah. What do you know about about him? Um, excited about his system. Um, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I uh, just found out this morning actually. Um, we had a Zoom call as a team earlier, and they just told us that they're hiring uh, Nate Bjorkren. I can't really pronounce his name, but um, he's a he's an Iowa guy. He's from uh, he's he's from Storm Lake uh, originally. And uh, Nick Nurse is kind of his, uh, his mentor. They were uh, together at Toronto. So um, I've always – I've known Nate. He's been an assistant in the NBA for a while. So whenever I see him, we always kind of give each other – gave each other crap being from Iowa. Um, but now he's my head coach. So I'm excited, man. I think he's a, he's a great up-and-coming coach. And we need a guy that, you know, is – he's very smart offensively and isn't afraid to try new things. And that's what Nick Nurse is kind of known for. So – we're excited, man. We're, we're all just ready for, ready for him and ready for, to get started. Um, and I, I, I know it was a surprise to a lot of people, but he's a very respected assistant coach that um, definitely deserved this. Yeah, he's, he's definitely cut his teeth. He's been around the league. Uh, he's done yeah. some um, G League stuff. And so I, I actually back in the, back in the day worked uh, born basketball camp with him. Um, yes. and had an opportunity to kind of, I think he was with the Warriors G League team at the time and, mm-hmm. and just chat with him a little bit about his system and his belief and philosophy and stuff. And, and then obviously what Nick Nurse and everything has done up, uh, up north. And so, yeah, it's really cool. Obviously, we love the Iowa connection. We love to see that. Um, and so I, I do think it'll be big things and uh, I'll be excited to see how that all comes together this next year for you guys. Yeah, yeah, we're excited, man. And just having uh... – just uh, another Iowa guy around. Our, our GM, Chad Buchanan, actually is from Iowa as well. He's from uh, uh, he's from somewhere in Des Moines, but then he went to Drake and he was an assistant under Tom Davis. So um, it's cool being able to walk in the facility every day and kind of feel that Iowa comfort. You know, there's nothing like it. Um, there's just a good connection when you when you have people from Iowa. So we're excited, um, and he's going to give us a lot of confidence and freedom out there, and just excited for that. Yeah, we're we're real excited to follow along with that. And, you know that that Iowa connection obviously obviously hits kind of deeper for us too. So mm-hmm. exciting stuff. But um, well, we uh, like to end our podcast with a little section called Rapid Fire, where Brian's mm-hmm. hit you with a couple questions, and uh, you all you have to do is let us know what you think. Perfect. All right, let's have a little fun here. Um, first one: What's your favorite uh, all-time favorite basketball shoe? Basketball shoe all-time favorite. Um, I would have to say like the Nike Hirachi, the kind of early Hirachi, like the two K fours or, um, those, those were the ones probably that I most liked and I wish I could still find them, but they're so hard to find. What, what's it like? Uh, obviously I would, I'm going to assume that your shoe hookup, maybe not quite like some of the guys on your team or something, but what's that like yeah. for you guys and the ability to get some of those shoes? Like if you wanted a pair of two K fours, you think you could run them down or what? Uh, yeah, maybe I'd, I'd probably, I'd probably have to go through Victor Oladipo or one of those guys or <laughs> someone that's a little plugged than I am. Uh, but it'd be maybe a couple phone calls, but I think I could, I could get my hands on them. But, uh, Nike wants us to kind of be wearing like their newer models cause it's what people buy. So, you know, they, they want us to be wearing them. So I've really fallen in love with the, the freaks Giannis's shoe. Um, I really like the way they fit and, uh, there's, they're super comfy. Well, I got a pair of 2K4s in my closet if you uh, can fit into a size 13. And 
the bottom might be falling off a little bit, so it might need a little glue. But uh, but all I'll those be closeouts, all the all those closeout drills yeah. back in the day, yeah, <laughs> right. they're probably falling apart. <laughs> I'd be happy to send them to you if you want. Me to. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> All right, next one. Uh, you talked about uh, your your dad and uh, his playing ability and coaching ability, obviously. But do you remember the first time that uh, you were able to beat your dad in one on one? Yeah, I think it was uh, it was in the driveway in Cedar Falls. I think it was like eighth grade. Um, I finally got him. I just I I started to develop that shot like we were talking about earlier. He used to just kind of throw me around in the post, and I couldn't score. But then I started taking him out in the perimeter, and he could he couldn't move his feet or hang with me. So. After that day, I don't think we ever played again because he, he refused to. <laughs> that makes sense. What about, what, what about golf? Can you get your dad in golf? Yep, I'm getting him now. Not, I mean, he's still, he still gets me for the most part, but um, when we're playing head-to-head, I can never beat him. But when we're in different groups, I always beat him. So it's, just, it's a mental component to him. Against him, he just he knows how to get in your head. He knows what makes you tick. And uh, – He's, there's no one more fun to beat, though. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. I love, I love beating him in golf because um, you can kind of hang it over him for, for a while. That's, that's great. Yeah. Um, road trip snack. Is there – you got a snack that you just – every time you get on a road trip, you got to have? Uh, well, the rookies always get donuts for us. So, that's, that's, <laughs> number, that's always number one. Um, there's a place in Indiana called Long's Bakery, and uh, we have our rookies get it, and – I always tell myself I'm going to be healthy this trip. And then right when I get on that plane, I just smell them and everyone's eating them. And I tried taking a nap and I smell them. So that's, that's the go-to snack. Um, but I like, I really like a skinny pop, the popcorn. Um, I always bring like a bag of that with me when I'm on the plane and just have it back in the hotel. So I, I get into that mini bar every once in a while in the hotels, they always have good snacks. So uh, uh, there's a, there's a lot of snacking that goes on for sure. <laughs> nothing wrong nothing wrong with that um what's your favorite basketball movie favorite basketball movie um i would have to say coach carter i really like i really like coach carter um i also really like hoosiers i know they're completely different um but i had actually never seen hoosiers till i was on the pacers which is crazy um i i just always remember hearing the jimmy chitwood that stuff um I don't know if you remember who Jeff Rudder is. He was an assistant with my dad, and uh, he used to quote the whole movie. And then I finally watched it and uh, found out what he was talking about. So those are, those are probably my two favorite. Man, Coach Rudder talking about Hoosiers is a, is a whole different conversation from anything else I've ever done. Unbelievable, man. He can, uh, he can quote that whole movie. And I felt like I'd already seen it. That's why I never watched it, because all <laughs> you have to do is talk to Rudd. Um, right, so exactly. It's hilarious. No, that that's good. Did you see? Have did you see where uh, the storyline of Space Jam Two got leaked the other day? I'm I didn't. Excited to see. Kind of excited to see how that's all going to shake out. Yeah, man. I thought I was going to get the invite from LeBron. <laughs> you know, you just, it, it didn't happen though. Yeah, but yeah, that that'll be fun to watch. I totally forgot about Space Jam. That would definitely be in my three as well. I mean, that was unbelievable. Um, but yeah, there's, there's so many good basketball movies like Mike, um, just stuff like that. There's the, they get creative and space jam too. will be something to look forward to. For sure. There's plenty of movies that you can go down that, that hallway, but, uh, um, we talked about your dad a lot on this pod, but, uh, obviously that's the connection with Adam, but can, can, can your dad still dunk? He, uh, I think he, 
I think it stopped like two years ago. I don't think you can anymore. I think uh, we were in St. Louis my junior year. That's like the last time I really saw him dunk was in St. Louis because we went to this like junior college that had really low rims. And he tries to do it once a year um, at a shoot around. And he happened to do it that day. And then we checked the hoop and it was like nine feet. So like, we don't know if he had a manager going there and, you know, push it down a little bit, but that's, that's the last official time I saw him dunk. So I, I don't think he can anymore. He's, he's, uh, he's enjoyed the quarantine. Let's just say that. <laughs> I've always remember, or I always remember him trying to do that on a road trip too. And it just so happened to always be at Creighton because they, yeah. uh, well, from what he said, their floors are bouncier there. So I just figured yeah. he'd be, I just figured he'd be dunking all the time now that he's always there. Yeah. I mean, they got, they got the best of the best now, the floors, um, Maybe, maybe we'll put in a request and see if he can do it. He's got, he's got a lot of gray hair now, um, but uh, we, I'd love to see it. Yeah, we would too. That's for sure. Um, road trip, we talked a little bit about it, but is there um, pregame artist or somebody that's got to be on your playlist, uh, listen to music before the game? Um, not really anything specific. Um, you know, we listen to so much rap music in the locker room, so – there's always just some sort of rap going, but lately I've been kind of more into the EDM type stuff. I like rap. I like all that before games, but I kind of like the EDM, like beats, um, you know, like, like Kygo kind of like that, that kind of style of music, I would say just kind of gets me in the zone. So I don't get too hyped up, but I'm not too calm. So I would say something, something in that genre. No, that's good. I like it. Um, what's your favorite city to visit? in the league obviously obviously you love your hometown but what's it when you're out on the road what, what city are you like whether it's the food whether it's the entertainment whatever it is what's your favorite visiting city um i would say i would have to say san francisco i love it there um i just always i always have i've i kind of grew up randomly being a giants fan for baseball um just my dad was a huge cubs fan and i remember going to a game with him and they were playing the giants so I started cheering for the Giants. And uh, so I, I've always liked San Francisco, their food, just the vibes. Um, and the weather is always good, too. You know, it's like not too hot or not too cold. It's just it's a fun city to walk around in. So I would say that's probably my favorite. And then, you know, New York, too. New York's so much fun to go to. And playing there was even better. But just uh, being a kid from Iowa, you don't get to see those big cities much. So when you, when you do uh, get there, it's, it feels like a different world. And, uh, you know, I, I love going to places like that. Good. I got, so I got two left for you. One, um, going back to the Cedar Falls day, uh, we have quite a few people that the Cedar Falls connections on the podcast. And so one of the rapid fire questions we always ask them, you, are you taking peppers or mulligans? Peppers, peppers. I, uh, I, I, I love mulligans. My brother, my, my brother loves mulligans. Um, I like them both, but peppers was like where my dad's radio show was. So we would always go there and play pool and, you know, those chicken tenders and the potato skins. Uh, they're hard to beat, man. They're hard to beat. I'm on a different diet now. I, I would love to crush some peppers right now, but Cedar Falls, man, they got some good, really good uh, hidden gems. And those are two of them. Yeah. We had uh, coach Lenzer on not that while ago. And the, he, he was talking about that. Uh, who was it? That grand slam basket or all American basket, Adam, what was he talking yeah. about? Yeah. 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 <laughs> you guys had Nate, Nate Lenzer. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I love Nate. He was with me in Chicago with Fred. So he's uh he's an unbelievable guy. I love Nate. He died great, for sure. Great dude. Yeah. So 
All right, last one. We'll get you out on this one. Um, obviously, Iowa Connection, uh, we love hearing the stories. We Shooters Touch for a reason. We, we love shooting the basketball. But so any young uh, high school players that we have listening to the podcast, what's one piece of advice that you could give them, um, obviously, as a kid that uh, has made it out of Iowa and now uh, living out your dream in the NBA? Yeah, I would say just uh, for me, um, just always keep that chip on your shoulder. You know, we uh, – we pride ourselves in Iowa um, to be the hardest workers. Um, you know, I think it kind of starts with the farmers, you know, just blue collar um, and it just, it lives with us and just never lose that. Um, you know, people are going to overlook you. Um, you know, they, they kind of see you step on the floor and, you know, he's from Iowa, you know, he's not tough. And I just, I would say just carry that chip on your shoulder wherever you go. There's going to be uh, there's going to be some tough days, you know, but fight through it. Just keep working. Um, just pride yourself on on being the first one to the gym, the last one to leave, um, and just keep letting it fly. That's all I got to say. Um, we're 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 shooters in Iowa, and uh, you're gonna miss some. You're gonna make some, but just keep letting it fly, and um, you know you're gonna you're gonna have a hell of a career. And uh, there's so many good young players in the state now. I love following. Um, you know Tucker DeVries, who's at Waukee. Um, played, I played for his dad in college with Darren DeVries, and th their team looks very special. So does Ames High. Um, so it's, it's, fun, it's fun to follow, and I know there's a, lo a lot of players in the future that are going to be at this stage that I'm at, and I'm just hoping I can be uh, someone they can look up to. And, uh, and I look forward to seeing the, them up here someday too. And we appreciate it. We really do. I mean, that's a great piece of advice. And uh, we just appreciate you taking some time and jumping on and talking, talking with us and making all those connections. And uh, we're watching and hoping and wishing for the best for you guys. And whenever that is, whenever we're able to get back to uh, some regular life and some, some basketball, we're, uh, we're excited to, to watch you to continue to grow. No doubt. You guys, you guys got to make it up to a game sometime at uh, Banker's Life. I'd love to love to see you guys. We will do that. We will do it. And yeah, for my end, Doug, too, just like Brian said, you know, it's, it's, uh, we appreciate your time. It's been awesome reconnecting with you um, and watching your growth throughout the NBA and college and stuff like that, too. So, um, you know, as he said, we, we appreciate it and look forward to uh, the continued NBA season here, hopefully as soon as possible as well. But absolutely, um, man. Absolutely. I'm sick awesome. of my golf. My golf game's getting too good. <laughs> I didn't know that was possible, man. I wish I was there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, get, get you out of Phoenix there and get you back up here to the cold Midwest. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'll pass. I'll pass. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, as usual through our listeners, you know, we, we hope you enjoy the episodes. We hope you enjoy the podcast. If you do, we'd appreciate a five-star rating wherever you catch your podcast. We're on every social media channel on Facebook, Shooters Touch, Twitter and Instagram at Shooters Touch IA. And always remember, shoot or shoot. Cause I'm right in my mind, hustling harder than ever before. Saying I change cause I like when I shine. The diamonds are different like Mike and his prime. I got Shooters Touch, yeah. can't nobody ball like me. Blue face, honey, so honey, so honey. That's really all I see.